From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, October 27th. On today's show, Impact Alpha's CEO, David Bank, catches up with Lori Spangler of Courageous Capital Advisors to talk about the mainstreaming of impact investing and what that means for smaller impact fund managers who are closer to the problems and community-based solutions. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in impact investing. The U.S. is finally getting a national green bank and community lenders across the country are angling to get a piece of the mandate to deploy the $14 billion National Clean Investment Fund that is part of last year's Inflation Reduction Act. Those selected to manage the funds will work with commercial lenders to finance distributed energy generation and storage, net zero buildings, and zero emissions transportation. The Environmental Protection Agency is expected to announce the awards in the spring of 2024. Corporations are facing water risks to the tune of $300 billion. The sustainability consultancy series says the biggest corporate water users are making little progress in responsibly managing water resources. Ceres uses public disclosures to rate corporates on their vulnerabilities, opportunities, and strengths in water management. The number of companies in the highest scoring category? Zero. About one in 10 companies made the next highest grade, including Cargill, Danone, Microsoft, and Gap. In deal news, Husk Power Systems raised more than $100 million for mini grids in Africa. Husk started by developing energy systems fueled by discarded rice husks in India. It pivoted to mini grids as the cost of solar and other renewables dropped. And Flourish Ventures, a spinoff of Omidio Network, raised $350 million to double down on inclusive fintech. Flourish's portfolio includes the Atlanta-based gig worker platform Steady. Last year, Flourish launched Matica, short for Made in Africa. And finally, impact investors gathered this week in San Francisco for SOCAP. The annual Social Capital Markets Conference has been the launchpad for many agents of impact and impact initiatives. Check out Impact Alpha's coverage of session tracks around diversity, equity, inclusion, and gender lens investing. And the fashion plates who made our annual Best Dressed at SOCAP photo spread. Find these stories and more on impactalpha.com. And now it's time for this week's conversation. David Bank caught up with Lori Spangler of Courageous Capital Advisors, who gamely made her way around both the Gin Investor Forum in Copenhagen and SOCAP in a boot for her torn Achilles tendon. Let's jump right into their conversation. Impact Investing has talked for years about getting to scale. Now, kind of, kind of gotten to a little bit of scale. And now there's complaints on the other side that maybe it's lost its, its, its heart or its soul um, and it's lost some of the, the smaller players that um, are, are kind of maybe getting left behind. What do you say? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a fair question and I understand where it's coming from. As somebody who's been in the field for a long time, walking the corridors of this big conference hall, I actually love seeing the people I've known for 20 years and I love seeing new people. And so my view is that given the magnitude the urgency of the environmental and social challenges confronting us across the globe. We need as many actors as possible who are embracing impact. We need as much capital as possible 
to embrace impact and to pursue impact. But remember, investors are enablers of others who are delivering the impact. So I'm a big tent fan. I welcome it. I think we have to actually continue to expand the tent, the numbers of actors, the typologies of actors, and where they sit globally. I don't think that ambition and scale and credibility and integrity are at odds. I think you actually can hold them together. But to hold them together, we need to do a couple of things. And one is to be transparent and honest about what impact we're having and what impact we're not having. And I think that's about where the capital is flowing, the people and places to where it's flowing, the actual impact that's embedded in the underlying business models. Because again, it's the business models that are delivering that impact not the investors, even the GPs. It's not a GP or an LP, it's the underlying company. And I think we need to make sure that we're challenging ourselves to have that conversation. Aren't some of the questions not about intent, but about sort of structure? They're about how do you actually get money from big pools of global capital down to small first capital providers and then, and then actual, as you say, enterprises? I think that's exactly right. The flow of funds, I always say, I say two questions at the beginning. What problem are we solving with this capital? And we have to be clear and consistent in our answer about what problem are we solving all the way through the chain. And then look at the final destination. I call it the first mile of capital, not the last mile. The first mile of capital. What is it solving in community, in hands, in businesses? And then you need to make sure that that chain is consistent all the way up. But to your direct point, I think we have to get more sophisticated, more thoughtful, more creative on the different layers to ensure that we create aggregated mechanisms for big institutional capital. They need aggregation. That's, to deploy, that's what they need. They need diversification and aggregation. But at the same time, if you follow it all the way through, at that first mile, there is a local challenge, a proximity, a local capillary. You and I have talked about that before. You need the local capillaries. And it's not one, two, three steps. It's more steps than that. And I think that's where some of our creative structuring can come in. There are challenges with costs. How do you manage the cost if you have more and more layers? But we're creative structures. That's what we do in our, in our work. We can solve for that, but I do think we've got to be smart about meeting the needs of large institutional capital players who are wanting to deploy, but recognizing that the end user, the end destination of that capital has to be front and center. I, I mean, I think that's so important because what we've heard around here is smaller funds, Global South funds, local funds don't know how to work their way up the food chain. Now, you know, the, the big players may figure out that they want aggregation and diversification, but from the point of view of that fund manager or that local uh, entrepreneur, they don't know how to become part of the aggregation. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think to put a point on it, I think there is a real gap in the market now between what I would call a local capital provider. So a fund that might be in country or a regional fund that is proximate to those smaller businesses and understands them, knows how to underwrite them, knows how to back them, knows how to support their impact delivery. But that local capital provider isn't going to find their way to an asset manager sitting in Luxembourg or Copenhagen or New York or London. It's too big a gap. And so how do we fill that gap? So the asset owner will find that asset manager with track record and size and scale and processes and all of those things that gives them comfort. And frankly, probably a really smart thesis of smart strategy. They'll find them. But that asset manager needs a couple of additional layers to ultimately say that they can reach those local capital providers. It's not one, one straight shoot.
Now, the, one of the ace in the holes may be that the impact, as you say, is delivered on the ground and then the next level up at the local level. So if people are truly looking for impact, that's where they want to be looking, right? Exactly, exactly. I just came out of a session right now where we're talking about how we've evolved in impact management and measurement. But it was a reminder that at the end of the day, the impact is generated from the ground up, not the top down. It's inside out, not outside in. And if we don't remind ourselves constantly of that reality, we're missing the mark. There's a lot of talk sometimes about, you know, rebalancing the power dynamics in all of this investment uh, from the capital providers to, as you say, the folks that are delivering the, the impact. I'm not sure that that power balance has yet been fully rebalanced. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge and we should call it out. We should acknowledge it. Look, when you, I've been sell side the bulk of my career, knocking on the doors of institutional investors, family offices, foundations, trying to mobilize capital for impact for the entrepreneurs, the enterprises, and the asset managers who have those strategies to, to invest, to advance impact. And there is an asymmetry in power. You know, those who have the money often make the rules. I mean, we, we, we kind of know that, but challenging that, continuing to chip away at that, and I do believe it's possible with density and consistency of effort and at least acknowledgement. But at the end of the day, I mean, it is, it is, yes, there is a power asymmetry, a power dynamic at play because they have something we want. I would argue that we have something that they want, which is the understanding of how impact is actually delivered to meet the needs of people and planet in specific markets. Well, Lori Spangler, if you're on the case, I feel a little bit more hopeful about it. So thank you very much. Thank you, David. That's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to Lori, David, and our producer extraordinaire, Isaac Silk. Sign up for Impact Alpha Open, our free weekly newsletter, directly at impactalpha.com. Or become a subscriber to get full access to our award-winning daily coverage in impact investing and sustainable finance. Just go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe. I'm Brian Walsh. Be sure to check back for next week's briefing. Until then, take good care.